In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. When I lived in Los Angeles, it was always around this time of the year, at the beginning of the network TV season, that it was common to get a phone call from a studio recruiter inviting you to come and watch a new TV show and give your opinion about it. In exchange for your time, you'd get $100. All you had to do was show up, watch the show, and use a little device with a dial that communicated whether or not you liked the show. That was it. At the end of the session, you walked out with $100. Not bad, huh? Well, what would also happen with these sessions is that the studios would always call in more people than they needed so that they could survey a completely full audience. So quite often, before people were taken into the auditorium to watch the show, a coordinator would come out to talk to the group and they'd call out a short list of names. Those people had to stay in the waiting room. After everyone else went into the auditorium and were seated, the people who remained were told that they weren't needed and they were still paid $100 and were then released from further responsibility. That was it, amazing. But it's not fair, right? No, it's not fair. In fact, it's a good parallel to this parable that Jesus teaches today. A wealthy landowner in the story agrees to pay the workers a day's wage. In the ancient world, a denarius. It was a coin that was an amount of money that could sustain a worker and their family for one day. The landowner promises a full denarius for workers at the beginning of the day. And even though there's a large group standing around waiting for work, he only picks a few and promises them a day's wage, a denarius. Later at 9 a.m., he picks more, then at noon, then at three o'clock, and even at five only about an hour before the sun goes down. At the end of the workday, everyone gets paid the same daily wage. One denarius, the same wage. There is no partiality, there is no distinction. Everyone showed up to work when they were called to work and the landowner gives them all the exact same wage. We can only imagine the resentment, the anger, the disappointment of the people who were picked first that day. They worked the whole day out in the sun. And the people that are getting paid the same were people who were hired less than an hour ago? Hmm. But let's reverse this. Let's set the time back 12 hours and read the emotions of the room of those people who were picked first. They're overjoyed. When they're picked, they now have the ability to feed their family for a day. They're now guaranteed to be better off than anyone else around them. It might have been completely random that they were picked and the others weren't, but they were picked. And so off they went to work. 
So why now the resentment? Why now? There's something innate about the way that we have this subjective view of justice in the world. When those who have been treated unjustly in the world receive justice, then those who receive justice celebrate. However, there are times when if a person has no concern at all about the justice of another, they're exempt from any emotional tie at all. But the one that always seems to be the most difficult is when a person believes that they've been given an advantage over others only to find the others on equal footing with them, a situation with no partiality, no distinction, these people then, they get mad and they think they deserve more. We see this kind of anger a lot in society. God's grace doesn't work this way. God is a never-ending font of love, belonging, mercy, mercy, grace, and justice. All of them. We are not like that. But God is a never-ending font of love, belonging, mercy, grace, and justice. None of those blessings ever end. This manner of being, this property about God, is something completely different from how we view the world. And as a result, our justice becomes subjective. Our love becomes conditional. Our sense of belonging can be random. Our ability to be merciful might depend on our mood. Our ability to be gracious might happen one day and then the next day it won't. But God's love, belonging, mercy, justice, and grace are constant and they go on forever. God's generosity and Jesus' vision of the kingdom of heaven sees potential in us. Just as God has been generous to us, God invites all of us to be generous to one another in all things. Even though the workers in this first group thought that they had been treated badly, the landowner paid the remaining employees the same wage so that no one's kids went to bed hungry at night. The landowner was thinking about the entire economy in the Greek sense of the word. That is about the whole system of everything, literally thinking about the entire household of society, of God's family, in Jesus' words, the kingdom of God. The author John Claypool writes that it is the landowner's generosity, not his concept of fairness, that accounts for his actions. And we're all called to learn from him and do likewise. Living in this spirit of generosity is often countercultural, but we've seen glimpses of this happening before. We've done it before, showing no partiality, no distinction, just being generous. Like when we buy backpacks every summer for the students of Garfield School, we go above and beyond at times to help out. Like in the time of the pandemic, this congregation made a, a, a specific decision to establish a benevolence fund that offered help and restoration to anybody in economic distress. 
And then we do things like champion the issues of our day that are sometimes considered too edgy, too controversial, too difficult to discuss. We, as the people of Trinity, are continuously striving to live in the spirit of generosity of the landowner in this story. Do we get everything right? No, we do not always get everything right. But we get some things right. Back to the author John Claypool. He tells this really interesting story about an old rabbi telling a parable about a father and his two sons. The father teaches his sons all that he knows about farming, and then the father dies. The sons decide after the father dies that instead of splitting the land, they'll work together. They'll work as partners, and they'll divide the harvest right down the middle each season. And through their life, that is exactly what they do. Now, one brother gets married and has eight kids, and the other remains single. One night, during a particularly bountiful harvest, the single brother thinks to himself, my brother has so many more mouths to feed than I do. He needs more of this harvest than I do. But he is so insistent on fairness that he won't accept more of it. I know what I'll do. I'll take some of my portion and put it in his barn at night so he can have more for his family. That's what I'll do. But around the same time, the married brother starts thinking, God has given me everything, and my family is doing great. My brother needs more of this harvest so he can save for his future. He is too fair to renegotiate to me, so I'll take some of my harvest and place it in his barn when he isn't looking. So one night, when the full moon was out, both brothers come face to face, each on their respective sneaky mission of generosity. The old rabbi who tells this parable said that even though it was a clear night, suddenly a gentle rain began to fall. Do you know what it was? The rabbi asked. It was God weeping for joy because two of his children had gotten to the point of it all. They discovered that there is true joy to be found in sharing, in sharing what we have with God and with others. Sharing in lavishly generous and abundant ways without distinction, without partiality, sharing lavishly. The landowner in Jesus' parable did this to all of his workers. And God does this for us every day of our lives. God is a never-ending font of love, belonging, mercy, justice, and grace all the time for everyone without partiality, without distinction. Even if we feel sometimes that we are those five o'clock laborers and we're super new to this spiritual life thing and we're still filled with doubt and we've got all kinds of uncertainty about our faith in Jesus and his way of love. We've got doubts about everything. 
Today in this parable, Jesus himself reminds us that God will always be present for us because God is always generous, always. God will always bless us no matter what time of the day or no matter what season of our life we make ourselves available. God will be lavishly generous with each one of us, without partiality, without distinction. We will all receive never-ending blessings of love, belonging, mercy, justice, and grace too. And we're called to keep some for us, and we're called to share abundantly with everyone so that these blessings never end. God's generosity confuses us. It overwhelms us. God's generosity confronts us because it's not fair. But God's generosity changes us and makes us generous people. Generous people in absolutely everything. Generous without partiality, generous without distinction, so that we can bless others in a way that God blesses us. We become people like the landowner. We become people like those brothers in the story. We become people, the people God has always created us to be. People who have been changed, transformed. People who now commit to living with hearts wide open to pave the way for a new world, a world called the kingdom of heaven. A world with no partiality, no distinction, a more beautiful, kinder, generous world for absolutely everyone. This is what God intended for us. With Jesus, let's make it so.